Welcome back, everyone, to Season 5 of the Kelly Mental Health Podcast, located in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Throughout this season, CEO Linda Kelly will be discussing a variety of mental health and wellness topics with guests from all walks of life. The more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it. As a parent or someone that has a child in their care, most of the time we want to do our best by them. And sometimes it's really difficult to know what to do and what to say, what's the best approach when we fall on hard times or difficult things come up for us. This special episode is about helping children through grief and it's meant to be just a brief overview of what you can expect, some of the factors that come into play in terms of attachment, the way that children process grief, and some helpful hints to help you be there for them. If you're listening to this, if you care, if you understand what grief could do to a child when they are not supported, I give you so much praise for the fact that you are trying and probably dealing with your own grief as well. Thanks for listening. The grief experience is different for everybody and there's no wrong way to grieve, but there are a few things that you should know. Children experience grief differently than we do. Grief for them and major loss essentially is a trauma. If a trauma is defined as something that drastically changes your worldview and makes you believe that the world is an unsafe place, things along those lines, then yeah, losing a family member, uh, losing someone that's close to them, or even just someone that they just assumed would always be there can turn into a trauma for them. And they accept the world as we present it to them. They expect them to always be there. It's that object permanency that we develop as infants where mom or dad can leave the room and eventually we start to understand that they'll always come back. And that creates secure attachment. That creates a sense in our minds that we won't be abandoned. From an evolutionary perspective, not being abandoned means we'll survive. When we're young and we have that secure attachment, that's excellent for development and it actually affects our adult relationships later on. Losing someone close to them. The very first thing obviously is going to be shock and disbelief. The secondary thing that they're going to look for is stability. Well, who else is here? Who's leaving me? Who's not? I need to know immediately. And so for a child, that safety factor, that stability is paramount. The people that are taking care of them, they need to be there. They need to reassure them as many times as it takes to reassure them. Yes, this person may be gone, but I'm here. Be honest because they know if you're withholding the truth. You don't have to expose them to details that might make them fixate on the manner of death. Because sometimes when we develop trauma around death, it happens when we have awful pictures in our minds of that person and we can't think of the good times. We want to avoid the details that might traumatize them again. But we want to be truthful. We want to use actual real words, even if they are harsh. This person is dead. They are gone. We don't want to soften it so that there could be any room for misunderstanding. Like someone's gone on a long trip and they're not coming back. We're sort of just doing that because we're scared. Again, if children accept the world that we present to them, that world includes life and death. And as a practitioner, treating uh, grief issues is one of the hardest things because you can't change the situation. You could avoid it mentally, but 
you're not really going to get very far. You could reframe it. You could think about it differently. For someone maybe that was sick, uh, sometimes we can think about it in a way that allows us peace and relief. Like, okay, they're not suffering anymore. But when someone goes and it's tragic, I think it's helpful to acknowledge, even with kids, no, it's not fair. It sucks. This is the worst situation that you could ever imagine. And it's okay to feel what you feel. And you see, as I did that, I was speaking as a parent or as a guardian or as someone in a position of authority over that child that can reassure them. I'm providing the safety and stability by letting them know their feelings are welcome whenever their feelings come up, that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to not talk about it. It's okay to seek comfort in whatever way you need to, even if you're 15, 16 years old and you got to climb in bed with your parent or guardian or whoever you trust just because it's difficult to sleep. For some children, there's a big challenge in not having the literacy related to emotions, so grief and loss. When I'm little, I don't know how to say that I'm sad unless someone has taught me. So emotional literacy from a very young age is extremely important. And that's not to say we can't catch up. I mean, we all do. I think many of us, even as adults these days, we learn how to communicate our emotions after something big happens and we don't have a choice. But one thing that's really nice is that in the school systems nowadays, they are speaking emotional literacy. They are teaching all the different words, the difference between sad and frustrated, the difference between hopeless and angry. Welcoming those emotions is the best thing that you can do and expecting them to come up in a devastating way when you don't actually expect them. It is a common occurrence that a child will not grieve openly, but may ask you a devastating question while you're standing in line at the grocery store. That what they're doing is they're trying to take this new information and now apply it to what they thought they knew. This path that they had laid out in front of them has changed, right? You thought you were on this one forest trail and now there's a forest fire and you're terrified and you don't know what's coming and you want to know who's with me? Am I alone? Am I going to die? It's important to make sure that you make space for those questions and that you yourself can handle those questions. One thing that I hear a lot from people is I don't want to cry in front of the kids. I don't want to traumatize them. I don't want to expose them to my feelings. Well, that actually is counterintuitive. And the reason being that there's more complexity in that. If you are crying all over your child and you are getting them to comfort you on a regular basis, like you are falling to pieces and you are asking them to have the answers for you, what can happen is that's called parentification. You are making them the parent. And that's unfair. We don't want that. We do a lot of trauma work with adults who were parentified from a young age and never really got the chance to feel stable and secure with that person who can be with them and reassure them. So crying all over the kids, too far. Crying with the kids, powerful. Expressing how you feel and normalizing the expression of emotions. Today, I really miss this person. I'm thinking about that time that we went on that trip and thinking about that and I'm really missing them and I'm really sad that 
we're not going to have another opportunity to do that. And expressing tears can be powerful for children because when they see you doing it and then they see you come through it, the tears dry up. So then they're not afraid of it. They're not afraid of expressing those emotions with the misunderstanding that if I express the emotion, I might get caught in it and I might never be able to get out of it. Grief work with children is just so much about teaching how can we express, making sure that they have stable, supportive relationships, that other things in their life are, are not really changing. This is also, side note, why uh Grief and loss in the context of divorce can be very challenging because you've got not only the parents' relationship changing, but a lot of times going to a different home or moving. Uh, so that can that can be especially difficult. However, the environment doesn't necessarily have to be the one thing that doesn't change. It's usually for most people the easiest thing to not change. The most helpful thing to not change when you're helping a child with grief is how you are there for them. Some people will be concerned about whether or not the child should go back to school right away or be around friends right away. I would say that that's wildly variable with each child. Recognize that because of social media, if there is a loss and it makes the news, uh, children may end up being bombarded when they come to school. They may be treated differently by other kids. So this is really important for other parents to be aware of. If the children that are coming to school are prepared then they will have that roadmap for how to act and how to behave. When I'm talking about children needing stability, they do need stability around their peers as well. They often benefit from their peers acknowledging what happened, but not fixating on it. So allowing, allowing them to get back to normal. Uh, some older children will experience guilt the first time that they laugh after a loss. And they'll think, that I'm not allowed to laugh, I'm not allowed to be happy because this thing happened to me. Well, we have to, as parents and guardians and teachers and social workers, we have to normalize that ability to laugh because you're going to have to insert some joy into your life. When you lose someone, grief comes in waves. It's like walking and falling into a deep pit. And the laughter is when we get glimpses of that sunlight. We need it to survive. We need it to be able to go on. And so it's important that if that child seems to be having trouble laughing in a situation that would call for it, that you let them know, you know, it's okay to laugh. It's, it's not a betrayal. It's not like you're happy that this happened. It's just that as human beings, it's important and healthy for us to find some joy. Uh, I picked up this book recently. It's called Lifetimes. It's the beautiful way to explain death to children. It is very, very simple, probably appropriate for very young children. Uh, but one thing that I found with it is that it just talks about uh, how it is sad that these things happen, but it's the way of life for all life. Humans, insects, birds, animals, that there is a life and there is a death. And there's tons of resources for children in grief that you can pick up that are very simple and to the point. Another very popular book that I tend to recommend is called uh, The Invisible String. It talks about how the connections between people are kind of like this string that you can't see. So even when they're not here, you know, your uncle that lives out in the country or your, your grandmother that is in heaven, whatever your belief system has to be, the book is about the fact that no matter where they go, 
even if you never hear their voice again, our connection still exists. One of the best things that you can do to support a child that is going through grief is to direct your grief outwards. We talk about circles. So the person, the past, and then the immediate circle is the people that were close to them closest. And then another outer circle, the people that were a little further, but closest to the people in the middle and outwards and outwards and outwards. And so, for example, if I have a friend that passed away, if I go to that friend's mother and I make her responsible for supporting me, that's directing my grief into the circle. And I don't want to do that. What we want to do as a supportive community is direct the grief outwards. So I would go to that friend's parent if the relationship was there and I would be the holder of that grief for her. If I felt that it was a lot for me to carry, I might take it to someone in my own life who's further from the situation and I could talk to them about how it made me feel and therefore grief is dispersed and the support is there and it's not so heavy. As you know, I've always been an advocate for personal therapy and counseling. I love being in counseling myself when I can be, when there's people available to talk to me. I encourage anybody that is going through a difficult time and feeling like they don't have anyone to turn to, to talk to a professional. And the reason for that is because that professional is there for you and only you. They are not biased. They will help you process and get through these things. Sometimes I wish that we didn't have to lose people ever. And I wish that children didn't need to grieve, but grieving is a part of life. It's the price we pay for love. I just want you to know that if you are going through this, it's going to be okay. Have faith in yourself. A quick note to our listeners. The Kelly Mental Health Podcast was created to provide relatable information about psychology and mental health and to help you get to know our team a little better. Episodes can contain triggering language and adult content. It is not a substitute for counseling and any advice herein is provided for general information purposes. If you'd like to book a session with one of our mental health specialists or find out more about us, please check out our website and contact us at kellymentalhealth.com.